want to know something that's critical for your life? <laughs> this is going to sound funny, but obviously breathing, right? We can say food and water, all those things are, of course, are true also. But breath, getting oxygen into your body is critical. And there's a reason that across the ages of time that uh, so many traditions have come back to breath and breathing and controlling that. You have a anxious, nervous experience. What happens? Breath elevated. Sh- breathing gets shallow and you don't perform as well. You get into fight and flight. You There's all kinds of ways that we can connect our breath to performance, to our mental capabilities. And the cool thing about breath is that it is something you can control. And I've learned you know, through meditation and through um, practice with dear friends like my guest today, who I'll review in just a second, how important this is and how to control it. Now, to be fair, I also flail. Um, my, my personal meditation practice is not specifically about breathing. Although this episode, what I, I went through with my guest today, I just I got to say his name. It's Dr. Kelly Sturette, okay? So he's been on the show before. But when I sit down with Dr. Kelly in this particular episode, it just reminded me that while I do breathe and while I do meditate and I do like the the breath as its own um, as its own thing is so powerful. And also, I think wildly misunderstood. I, you do not have to be a yogi. You do not have to move to India. You do not have to have some borderline religious practice about your breath, but you do need to understand how to get a good breath, that it's something you can learn and practice, that it is something that's simple, brutally simple, and yet can be a life and game changer for you. So enter my dear friend, Dr. Kelly Sturette. Now he is a bazillion things. He's a coach. He's a physical therapist. He's written a couple New York times, bestselling books. He's he's an author and a speaker. Um, he and his wife, Juliet, are the co-founder of an amazing company called The Ready State. Um, it started out as a as a mobility WOD, which was a workout of the day. That's what WOD stands for um, back in 2008. Has, he has a huge YouTube following. Um, but more importantly, he went on to revolutionize uh, performance therapy, self-care. And as an example, like this idea of stand-up desks, well, Kelly Strett was talking about stand-up desks like 10 years ago. Um, uh, who introduced, I think Tim Ferriss introduced me to Kelly a long time ago, back in the early days of Creative Live, because we were looking for people to help us understand this, the physical, the mental physical aspect of what it took to be a creator or an entrepreneur. Um, and Kelly was the guy. And since then, like I, I do anything. If I have any pain, I call Kelly. If I'm stuck with something that's physical in nature, I call Kelly. And there's a reason because his clients are professional athletes in the NFL, the NBA, the MLB, the NHL. He works with a handful of Olympic gold medalists, Tour de France winning cyclists, national record holders, you name it. Um, all also really, really early in the CrossFit world and has since, um, I think, helped transform this um, I wouldn't say industry because it seems to me that Kelly flies above the industry. So suffice to say, this guy is a hero to me and a guru to so many with respect to your physical experience of living a life, things like breath, mobility, health, and wellness. So in this particular episode, what we're about to cut to is 
I am having a conversation with uh, Kelly. I'm seated on the floor of my garage. This is um, here we are in this is mid early to mid COVID um, March, late maybe late March, and or early April even. And he's helping me with things like mobility and my awareness of my ability to move and breathe. Super simple, and I've spent a lot of time in this sort of area of. Um, health and wellness, and he's able to give me like three to five pointers in five to 15 minutes that have changed me. And I've been practicing them over the course of the several weeks since we recorded this, and I think it's going to make a difference for you. So I'm going to get out of my way, get out of my way, I'm going to get out of the way. And it gives me great pleasure to welcome my dear friend and a new friend for you, Dr. Kelly Sturette. Hey, quick question for you before we get into the episode. Do you feel stuck by any chance? Do you feel like your dreams are are a bit out of reach or you've got more potential with this one precious life than you're realizing today, right this moment? You know what? I got an idea. Life isn't about finding fulfillment and success. It's about creating it. So to that end, I wrote a book. It's a new book. It just dropped in September. It's called Creative Calling, and it became an instant bestseller when it was released this past September. Now, if you dig this podcast, then this book is the perfect, and I mean perfect, companion because it takes the ideas we discuss here on the show, creativity, entrepreneurship, how to pursue your dreams and career, hobby, and in life, and it organizes them in a super clever and incredibly practical way that will help you take action in pursuit of your dreams. So I do have an ask, and that ask is that you pick up a copy or two, or who am I kidding? Maybe 10. But again, here's why. This is not about a transaction. This is about a message and a movement. You see, creativity is a force inside every one of us that when it's unleashed, it transforms our lives and delivers vitality to everything we do. Establishing a creative practice is therefore, in my opinion, the most valuable and urgent task that you can do. It's as important to our well-being as exercise and nutrition. So I put everything I had into this book. I mean everything. It's 10 years in the making. Now, I know from math and numbers that a lot of you who listen to the show have already purchased the book. And for that, I say thank you. Uh, And I have a, a separate ask of you. And that is, one, if you haven't left a review, it would mean the world to me. I read them regularly. Um, and I'm sharing them on my social, and I'm just so grateful to have your feedback. And thing two, thank you for being the messengers for this book. I know, as do you, that word of mouth is the most powerful way that we learn about things in our culture, and the fact that the book you know, went straight to the bestseller lists and is continuing to um, have incredible traction on a global level, I know that you're active, and I just want to say thanks. All right. Thanks very much for listening. And now let's get back into the show. Um, I've been relegated to the garage to do my workouts. Um, and so we are like literally in my garage right now. And uh, I was hoping that, you know, you could walk us through some of the things that we should be doing to take better care of ourselves. Uh, before we went live, we were talking like, hey, is this just a big workout? And I loved what your point of view was like, no, we need to find a way to talk about the whole human, um, how we get better sleep, how we eat better, um, how we can you know, keep our mobility up. It's not just about trying to pump weights and stay fit, man. 
Um, although there's plenty of benefits to fitness, but you know, walk me through what you want to cover in this next hour that we're together. Well, um, first of all, let's just take the global stressors that we're feeling on top of the system. And, and then we can just say stress load. And that could be, I don't know, I have to homeschool my kids. I have to worry about getting food for my, my elderly parents. I could be worrying about my job. There's just a whole lot of things that are uncertain. And the uncertainty in the Maslow's hierarchy of needs is the first thing we want to talk about, which is, do I feel safe? Right. Safe. And there are some things that we can do that will upregulate that. And, and Creative Live, being in a tribe, reconnecting. I was, you know, just talking with, um, you know, the, the, your, your, uh, your crew earlier when we were just doing the sound check. And he said, hey, I've been, I've been Skyping with my friends in Austin. I've really re- tried to reconnect. And the very first thing we just need to make sure that we're doing is appreciating that what we don't need to do is add complexity now. We don't need to add additional loads. Like this is not the time to become jacked and super fit. This is the time to take care of basics. And what we want to do, what I'd love to do today is show you how we think about that at our house and how this can be one more thing, not one more thing you have to do, some kind of box you have to check for the ultimate abs, but a practice and some of sort of the ways of thinking that you can layer this in and come out of this thing actually intact and with better habits because, you know, we are closed down, you know, our kids aren't going to go back to school. We basically, we think we have two more months of this. And if it takes 30 days to change a behavior habit, man, now is the time to do a little self-experimenting and really sort of uh, figure out what does this look like and really in sustainability. And at the same time, that will help us with that first you know, tier, do I feel safe? And do I feel safe means, you know, we're not talking because there's some people out there who are working with worried about food security and a whole bunch of other things. But I'm talking about like we can control sleep. Mm-hmm. We can be making sure we're getting enough movement and actually doing the things that we need to do as human beings, not human animals, not another shred boot camp burpee in my living room, but create a readiness that makes us more resilient. So when this thing turns back on, we can go and run and we don't have to get the wheel spinning. So that's what I'd love to talk about today. I think that's fantastic. And before we dive into actual movement and some of your recommendations, I do want to cover off on a number of books that you've written and what's the best place for people to find you. I think in my opinion, you are the thought leader to the thought leaders in the space. You were talking about mobility 10 years before anybody was, Obviously, you're jacked and tan, so people can recognize that right when they look at you. Um, but what they might not know about it is that you're a doctor, that you have written best-selling books, um, you were one of the original CrossFit heroes, um, and uh, you've got online training, in-person training. Can you walk us through a little bit about your program before we dive in? Yeah, you know what's interesting right now is sometimes the I think we've all. Talk about the ready state, too. I think that's killer. Perfect. Well, I feel like we are all we all know that we need to do some care and feeding of our human body. Right. And um, the question is, where do I start? And I think we've just come through what I believe to be what I'm calling peak fitness, which is if you go into my Instagram and you try to understand and make sense of the world, try to create a cogent whole out of this. It is mind-numbing. It is confusing. It is a terrible, terrible space. 
right? Oh, I, apparently I don't eat anything but meat these days. I drink gluten-free vodka, right? I need to Olympic lift. It's just, I'm like, whoa, 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 no, this diet's good. This diet's bad. You should be microdosing while you micro nap, while you, so <laughs> we have a chance to just slow down for a second. And what we've done is at the readystate.com, we've created a free two week tutorial where you have access to the sites, to pain, to down regulation. But more importantly, we created this thing often really inspired by you by saying, let's at least serve people and give them a two week on-ramp. So how do I take care of my knee hurts? And I can't go talk to a doctor right now. What if I don't, can't see a physical therapist or my kid says her, her Achilles hurts. What do I do about that? How do I take care of my neck stiffness because I'm sitting in my crappy kitchen table working? So what we feel like right now is we have a real opportunity to promote the idea that you, we can shift the low side of control and agency back to you to do much simple musculoskeletal care. So when we say the word mobility, that's sort of a word that ends up being very confusing for people. It can end up being sort of a, uh, a surrogate for stretching. And that's not what we're saying at all. What we have a chance to do is say, what is it a human being should be able to do? And then the movement is the expression of the joints, the tissues, the, the, the nervous system, all of that. And that's a movement practice. And so if you want to do Pilates or yoga or CrossFit, or you have some kind of secret kettlebell work, that's the movement practice. But in this moment, we have a chance to spin people up about how do I know if my tissues are, are feeling good? What do I do when something hurts? And right now, we've been have, we have this really interesting opportunity to shift the narrative about does pain mean I'm injured and who owns pain? And what we want people to understand is that no, pain is a normal expression of the human being, but it's not a resting state. And so this is the chance where we can really slow down and understand, have a basic toolkit to be able to make ourselves feel better and then be the agent of change in our family. So that's what we're doing. The ready state is this idea. We switched from this notion of like mobility, workout of the day to, well, what is it you need to get ready for? How, how, we're going to be 100 years old. What does the next 50, 60 years look like for you? Are we playing this long game? And it's not about, you know, blitzing your 5K time and, you know, doing one more set of abs. Those are really <laughs> short goals. And looking good naked is a valid goal, comma. <laughs> I'm really interested that you can get up and down off the ground when you're 80 and 90 because I guarantee you it may not feel like it right now, but we're all going to be 100. Guaranteed. That's the, that's the new world order. Wow. All right. I'm ready. I'm here in my uh, garage in Seattle. It's 39 degrees, which is why I have a puffy on. I'm, I'm prepared to. Oh, okay. All right. Keep uh, the puffy on. <laughs> you can keep the puffy on. Okay. So cool. check this out. Let's start with what we think is the, the foundational practice, which is can we breathe? What does that look like? Because right now, what we're looking for is what we've seen, our experience is that people's fitness and wellness is something of a kludge. And a kludge is a, a software system that had an original operating system and then you just bootstrapped another piece onto it, you connected another piece, and pretty soon you have this really inelegant system that doesn't relate, doesn't problem solve, but it's the thing you're stuck with. So suddenly I'm like, I do this eating thing, and then I chase this yoga thing, and then I... 
I do this next fad. And all of a sudden there's not a cogent whole. And what we want to do for people is try to create a through narrative, try to drive some consilience into the things that I do. So the thing that I do in the morning, maybe the salutation, the breathing is also the breathing that I do. So it makes me more efficient when I need to train. It's also the same techniques I'm going to use when I need to chill my brain out or get spun up. So what we should start with then is before we just kind of get in complexity, because this is then the root of how we can make you feel better is let's establish a one rep maximum on your breathing. So Iyengar says nerves are king of the breath. The breath is king of the brain. So what we know is if we can change our breathing, we can directly impact how our bodies are feeling, what, what, what our brains are sensing about threat or not. And simultaneously, we can use the tissues to come in and affect the breathing, affect the brain. So we can rewire and wipe the entire system if we can dial into a couple of these key principles. Um, game. Okay. So let's do this. Wherever you are, you can do it sitting. You can do it laying down. You can, you know, what I want to, uh, people to appreciate is that if I lay on my back here, what I can do is I can create what I think is like a sort of one rep max breath. So even if you're sitting, which is totally fine, I want you to take the biggest breath in you can. So we can measure this. So show me, impress me with the amount of air. Go, Chase. How much air can you get in? Okay, so you initiated that breath right up in your chest. That is not where your diaphragm is. So your diaphragm is in your belly, right? So when we take a stress breath, the first thing we do is breathe up in our necks. We breathe up in our chest, which is really inefficient and triggers my brain to think something sketchy is going on because you only breathe up in your neck when you're being chased by wolves, right? So instead, let's come back to breathing. And more importantly, we're gonna still have to breathe in our necks. The mistake I think is that we didn't appreciate what the yogis were teaching. And more importantly, the yogis weren't deadlifting 500 pounds, they weren't running, they weren't jumping, sprinting, right? So if I take, lay on my back or sit there, put your hands on your belly, and I want you to take the biggest breath in you can through your belly. Don't worry about anything else. You're, you're gonna look fat, you're gonna, your belly's gonna distend. If you're laying on your back, I don't have any gravity loads. You're in your chair, the chair is working as a spine. So just take the biggest breath you can. You're going to stick your belly up. In through the nose, out through the mouth. Come off tension like a light switch. So what I want you to do here is we're trying to see how much air we can get in. And it's easier to do that through my nose. Now, if I have a cold, then go ahead and pretend like you're sipping soup. I just have to create a little resistance in my mouth so that I can create some tension. So I'm going to take a huge breath in my belly or in through my nose, peak breath, and then let it go like a light switch, like a balloon is popping. And this is going to make sense in a second because what we want to do is establish a feeling of how much air I can move in. So now do that again, but this time more. Show me how much air you can get in. Huge air, let it go. Balloon is popping. Perfect. I'm trying to be springy in the ribcage. Now, take your hands, make little telephones, old school telephones, put them on your ribcage on the side. And this time, I want you to go belly first, but I also need you to expand 360. So I want to see you expand your ribcage, and I want to see the ribs get huge and voluminous on the side. So belly, 
The rib cage. Ribs, 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 ribs. Keep your belly big. Ribs go out. Let it go. <sighs> so one of the models for human beings breathing and rib cage and the musculature of the trunk is what we call a radial contractile field. So what I'm trying to do is get all of the musculature to expand and to contract as a, as a circle is expanding. And we'll have some areas that move more than others. But can we expand this global way? That means I need to expand not just in my belly in the front. If I was an Oreo cookie, I want to expand into the cream film right now. So go belly, ribs, let it go. Already. So already you're taking a much bigger breath. That's fantastic. Because when we're running later or doing cycling or doing some exercise, being able to breathe better is going to make us more effective. When I'm receiving a huge load in my Olympic lifting, I'm going to have a better, better way to pressurize and create intra-abdominal pressure. This works at every level. So now we're going to go belly, ribs, and now show me the chest. Because when my trunk is stiff, I'm holding my kid or picking up a bag, I better be stiff. That means I'm going to have to breathe in all these other places. So belly, ribs, chest, go. Ribs, chest, 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 let it go all at once. <sighs> Good. Nice job. Now, this breathing we're doing can be even better, but now we're going to go belly, ribs, chest, low back. So show me you can get 360 in your breathing. Ready? Go. Fill it, fill it, fill it, fill it. <sighs> Good. Wow. Now, that's literally, the size of your literally like twice as much uh, – air in my system as the first deep breath I took, not even like, right. it's crazy. So what we're seeing is that many of us are in this really shallow breathing position. And if I'm trying to make it so my nervous system is working better, so that I, my trunk is more dynamic, so I can do better dancing, every time I take a breath, I have a chance to mobilize and get movement back in this tissue system, which is really powerful. This is a powerful way to restore the natural movement. So if we look at moving, the first movement is breathing. So let's go ahead and let's talk a second and continue this because this idea of the first movement means that if I'm trying to change the way you're maybe feeling about your pain, one of the things I can do is change how you move related to that pain. So without changing your actual foot strike or where your knee is going or your technique, if I change your breathing pattern in a painful position, your brain may interpret that as a brand new way to move. And that means that you've disrupted the pain movement sort of conjoining or collaboration. Those things become highly associated in your brain. So suddenly, if I'm sitting at my computer and I'm just doing this little shallow breathing, my brain is like, oh, I know what this problem is. I'm sitting sort of flexed. I know what the shape is. I'm breathing in this little tiny pattern. And all of a sudden, your brain says, oh, I, don't, I don't even need to spend time in this position. As soon as I recognize the position, I start giving you the pain signal, right? So the first way we can interrupt the pain cycle to make ourselves feel better is to is change how we're breathing around a problem. And this makes it super easy. Don't need any equipment. But now we have a really interesting metric, which is how do I know I'm in a good position or how do I get into a better position? So now we have this one rep max breath, right? And what's great about that one rep max breath is that let me let me ask it, you about the one max rep breath or one rep max breath. What's the just to practice that? Is that should that be a daily habit? 
How should we think well, about it? Well, we're going to come back to it. Okay. Because I want to show you that we use this breathing, and it's come out of people like Wim Hof, Laird Hamilton. We've seen uh, Butreko breathing people, Oxygen Advantage, um, Yoga. These should be f somewhat familiar to, yeah. to everyone who's watching. You should be like, oh, I've heard about breathing before. But – our application is going to be a little different because we're not interested in the physiology. We're interested in the mechanics and the mechanics is what is never really talked about. We're always interested in the downstream CO2 tolerance and changing pH and cha right. That's all great. I'm down with that. If you want to get in touch with your mother, lay on a ball and uh, you can talk about how angry you are at your dad. All those things will happen. Comma. Let's go after this mechanics into it. So what we have now is a reference volume. So what okay. I want you to do is come back to your sitting position for me. So it doesn't matter if I'm sitting on the floor, it doesn't matter if I'm in my chair or I'm in my car. Or in your cold, want, 39 I'm in degrees. my cold ass, 39 degrees. I know, it's, you know, it's not that bad here in San Francisco. So what I want you to do now is I want you to realize that if you sit here and I ask you, chase that volume that you had when there was no load because suddenly gravity's pushing through my system. Suddenly I have my hips pulling on my back. Some of us may be sitting and our backs are out. So any position I should be in, I should be able to take 90% of the air I did on my back. So go ahead and slouch for me. And since we're all keyboard warriors and you're on the phone, you know, you're doing your thing, just get into like, well, I feel so good. Now take a huge breath for me here. Oh, that sucks. Ow. Literally, it literally hurt. So <laughs> instead of saying this position good, this position better, what we'll say is, well, that position is fine if you'd like being at 20% of your capacity. And what we can now say is, hey, get into a position where you can take a better breath. So just get into a shape where you can take a better breath, right? So now, all of a sudden, I never have to worry about what perfect posture looks like. Instead, I say, well, can you take a breath in that position? So now if I'm working I, or slouching or leaning back or watching TV or doing some job, I can always put myself into a shape that allows me to chase that one rep max breath volume. That means that this is suddenly a useful feeling that when I'm on the bike or I'm on the elliptical or I'm lifting weights, I can make these adjustments based on my feeling, not on some external cueing, right? So now you're in a better shape. And look, you're holding on. You've got your shoulders back. You're in a better organized position where you can take a breath. So show me a 90% breath. Perfect. Now, some of us are sitting there and we're like, whoa, that was like 50%. Now, this is what's interesting. Go ahead and let's do a really gnarly thing. Let's go ahead and squat. Heels on the ground, good position. Come to this shape. You can see my feet a little bit. I've got my heels on the ground. Now, in this shape, you see how my back is flat and your back is rounded? It's not, not good or bad, not anymore, but show me you can take a 90% breath here. Is it, it should be just the same, right? So now watch this, put your arms over your head, like you're oh, in some deep position. This is, and by the way, everyone, Chase is a phenomenal athlete. Sometimes he doesn't get enough credit for being such a sick athlete. 
right? Because he's all creative, but he's a sick athlete too. Now, in this position, taking 90% breath. So our basic hypothesis, because if you're watching this, you may be struggling with this. Our basic hypothesis is in any position you should be in for body weight with very low sort of load, you should be able to take 90% of your breathing. So get into a plank position for me, Chase, just like a classic top of the chaturanga, shoulders over wrists, right? You're in a good position. Now, look what the first thing you did was you stopped breathing, right? You created stiffness by not breathing. And when most of us are in these yoga positions, flows, we are doing our best to hold on to our butts and just survive. But what I want you to do is show me you can take a 90% breath here. And if you start to fatigue out or lose that position or shape or capacity to breathe, you're now doing something we call compensation. And you're teaching your brain the only way I can survive this position is to go from breath hold to breath hold. And what you're going to see is that as you're emptying the dishwasher later, you're going to realize you're holding your breath. So if we can't breathe in the position, we do not own that position. We are sending a signal to our bodies. Now, what I have you do this, you're suffering in this position, but this is our test for 12-year-old girls. Can you hold a plank position for two minutes while maintaining 90% breath? And now this is a qualitative experience, not who can suffer the longest. Right. So in this position, look at how well you're suddenly focusing. Do you feel like you're breathing in your upper back? Doesn't look like it. No. So show me you can breathe belly, ribs, chest, upper back. Show me you can expand 360. And if you're watching this, we can see it because you're really well outlined. Show us you can breathe 360, bro. Come on. Come on. Notice his butt turned off, which got him into a little bit less good position. So he's instead of just making these about endurance, we layered in this quality, this skill into this, and all of a sudden we are killing it. Put your knee down, take a break. Good job. But what I, you're seeing is that's so, a lot of our exercise. We're not breathing at all. I know there was some subtle I'm gonna give people a little better light, but I knew there's some subtle torture shit that you were getting me into there. I knew it from like a hundred miles away. I was like, if I know Kelly, he's about to hand me a sandwich. Uh, a torture sandwich. And what I want you to appreciate is that we are often at battle. We're battling with our nervous system. We're battling with our brains. And we're, we're confusing and making the pathway towards more efficient, more functional abilities to be more difficult. So when you're in the hospital with any kind of surgery, what do they give you? They give you that thing to breathe into, right? But with that thing to breathe is all about maintaining your lung volume because we're not needing to breathe. And if you've ever walked up a flight of stairs, gotten to the top of the flight of the stairs, and you're like, wow, I am really out of shape. What is going on here? Like I just walked up some stairs and I'm breathing hard. Well, what's really happening is that you're breathing very shallow. Then you put in this huge demand and then all of a sudden you've got to catch up afterwards. You didn't change your breathing to match this skill and task. So what we've done here is given ourselves a way of reestablishing what's possible and we can train this, but I can do this anywhere. So if I'm in the car and I find myself slouching, I'm like, well, can I take a breath or something? My neck is hurting because I'm working on the computer. I'll say, well, can I take a full breath in this position? And all of a sudden I'll just 
uh, adopt shapes. And I never have to coach this. I just say, can you take a position or a better position? I have the same conversation with our Tour de France cyclists about their neck shape. Well, if your neck is cranked back, go ahead and just look up at the ceiling, crank your neck back, take a breath. Doesn't work very well. Oh, it actually creates pain. <laughs> In the same way when I was slouched and you told me to take a deep breath, it actually created pain. And I was just thinking when you said that about your neck, like in high school football, we were taught to like crank our neck back when we were squatting because that was safe position for our back. But I was just always like, man, I actually can breathe so much better. My squats were actually better if I kept just my neck flat. But my coaches were always like, no, no, no. And I'm so glad to see all this stuff changing. It's, it's bizarre, but like the way you're framing it makes a ton of sense. Can you breathe in that position? If the answer is no, something's wrong. So now we have this, this diagnostic tool all the time. So maybe my ground sitting position that allows me to breathe is not cross-legged. It's some kind of other posture. Because one of the things that I want everyone to do while we're locked at home is I want us to spend more time sitting on the ground and working on the ground. We have, for example, this is something that our friends make at Veridesk. And it's the laptop tray. And it's called the Laptop 30. I don't make any money from this. But what I want to show you is that very quickly, I can create a ground working station. And the reason this is amazing as a habit is that in our normal day-to-day -day lives, there is no way most of us can work on the ground, spend time sitting on the ground. It's just going to be impossible, and it's going to be not probably socially appropriate. But what's fantastic is suddenly we have to appreciate that the human being was originally a ground-dwelling person. We slept on the ground, we toileted on the ground, we, we ate on the ground, we socialized by fires by sitting on the ground. And there's a, a great hypothesis that one of the ways that the body can self-tune itself is through this ground sitting because I have to adopt a whole lot of different sitting positions for my hips. So one of the things that I'm trying to be able to give to people as we're at home is that we don't need to add another practice in. We don't need to do more yoga. We can constrain our environment for the first time, maybe as modern humans ever, we can be thinking differently about how we interact. So if you're sitting on the couch, sit cross-legged on the couch. If you have an opportunity to answer texts while sitting on the ground, or check your email for a few minutes, let's see if we can accumulate a little bit more time. Now, what we're feeling, right, is that many of us are sitting on the ground like, this is so uncomfortable, I can't breathe in this position, my back is rounded, right? And I'm like, well, show me you can take a breath there. Well, now I have a diagnostic tool to say, well, how comfortable am I in these positions? Because if I can't take 90%, well, the first order of business is, well, let's try to least breathe in the positions we own, Let's at least try to improve the shapes that we're in. And you can get into a better shape just by coming back to that reference volume. And you will automatically correct and initiate in the belly, expand sideways. And now what we've done is we have honestly restored hip function. If you did this, I'm just going to commit to something radical like five minutes a day. I'm going to sit on the ground. <laughs> 
That is already more time than most people are sitting on the ground. Some of the power of going to a yoga class is that you're barefoot and you're moving up and down off the ground. That's a Turkish getup. That's squatting. That's lunging. It's about moving my center of mass up and down because it turns out we have this great diagnostic test about early morbidity and early mortality, and that's can you get up and down off the ground without using your hands? So what we're seeing is if you have to use your hand, put a knee down, the more points of contact you have to do to get up off the ground, the more likely you are to die early because you don't have the brain function, you don't have the muscle, and you don't have the range of motion. So we can suddenly see, oh, I understand why we think mobility is one of the pillars of foundational health just like insulin sensitivity, just like sleep, just like being in a tribe. Because if I can't interact with my environment and I don't start this practice now, it's only gonna get worse when I'm 70 and I fall and break my hip and end up in the hospital, right? That's the goal. Wow. The fact that we've got these diagnostic tools and like the, the breath thing is still blowing my mind. Like that is, if you can't take a breath, it's probably not a good, safe, or healthy, strong position. Like, how simple is that? And I literally had the experience now three times being in awkward positions, either that you put me in or I naturally gravitate towards, that made it impossible to get a real breath. Like, that's shocking. That's an amazing diagnostic that's available to everyone. And I think, like, most of us don't have uh, the gym that you have at your in your garage at our house. Man, I got a couple of dumbbells and some kettlebells over there in the corner. But if you just go back, something even more fundamental is like, can you breathe? And how important is that one rep max breath? Uh, that's a tough string of words for me to put together. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm shocked by that. And also all the, the diagnostic of can you get off the ground without like how many with how few of points of contact? And that that's a uh, that that's something to aspire to. That's fascinating to me. So our hypothesis is I don't have to change everyone. If we help or a few people experience this, then you'll tell your parents, you'll tell your aunts and uncles, hey, during this time when we're all sheltered and we're not, what we're starting to see is that many of us were sort of at the margins of physical activity, right? We say to people, we want eight, between eight and 12,000 steps a day, maybe eight if you're 70 years old. 8,000, but it may be 15 if you're 12 years old, right? People right now are getting 2,000 steps a day or less in their homes. And what is important to appreciate is not the walking, it's the non-exercise activity. So you're up in Seattle. Let's use an example everyone can appreciate from the Northwest. And that's the orca, like the symbol of the Northwest, right? Yeah. So it's it's like the Coca-Pelli of Washington State, right? So here's the idea is that if you put an orca in captivity, what happens to the fin of the orca? Starts to droop over. Wow. So they get what they call folded fin syndrome. And they were like, we don't know what's going on. So this comes, this idea is called Bowman's orca. This is a, one of our friends is Katie Bowman. She used this example originally, but I'm stealing it. So I call it Bowman's orca. But what ends up happening is if you don't load that fin, if that fin isn't exposed to the forces of hunting and swimming and jumping and fighting and doing orca stuff, it becomes weak. And it becomes weak because the collagen has to be loaded 
in order for it to be expressed normally and healthily. That's called, the, the technical term is mechanotransduction, which means if I want this tendon to act like a tendon, it has to be loaded like a tendon. If I want my hip capsule or my back to be strong, it has to do back-like things, right? That's that, that idea of, of Wolf's Law, which was you either load it or it becomes deconditioned by the body or downregulated. Well, not only do we take the orca and not load it, but then we put it at the surface all the time, and that fin is always being exposed to a new load that it was never designed to, so it becomes weak, and then it changes its behavior. I think that's the greatest metaphor for where we are right now, locked in and sheltering in place, trying to save the world. We are not loading, and we completely change the environment in which we find ourselves. So instead of coming out of this thing with all these folded fins, what are the things that I can do? And because the human being is so anti-fragile, we aren't, we aren't delicate. We are designed to be ridden hard and put away wet, right? But it's these simple behaviors. Right now, sitting cross-legged on the ground or getting up and off, down off the ground 20 or 30 times a day is enough to load these things and certainly is an order of magnitude more loading than if you just got out of the bed, went to the kitchen table, went to the dining room table, right? Like all of a sudden we've just changed your entire environment and we didn't have to do another thing or make a decision or find some kind of, you know, personal resolve that like, you know, some iron will, I will exercise. I, you know, dude, it's so, it's so tricky right now. Most of us are just, you know, Julian and I have started drinking a cocktail in the evening as a ritual with our friends, like remotely, like we aren't big drinkers, but we're like, dude, this is a ritual. I see you, right? We're all feeling stressed. So what do we do to the environment? Well, let's start by, let's sit on the ground. Let's chase this one, this max breath. And let's start to become aware of how these things are practiced. Then now we're in a position to have our next conversation. So gangster, just for, for folks at home, uh, many of you have migrated towards a standing desk um, many of you have, like, you don't know where that came from culturally um, as an option or a desk that, that gives you uh, variation to sit and stand throughout the day. All of these things that are commonplace now. My man Kelly was talking about that 10 years ago. All well, and, what and I remember, like, you also were 10, like, I, I, the fact that I could actually sit like this. I think one of the first times we got together, you're like, cool, let's have our meeting down here. <laughs> with my heels on the ground and my butt down and like I remember you saying wow that's very that's unusual um you know I, I, these are things that are commonplace now in health and fitness and I don't know how like you see the future I guess maybe that's what what thought leadership looks and sounds like in the health and wellness space but I just want you to know that I see you and I appreciate all these things that you were telling me 10 years ago that are keeping me sane now well one is I appreciate that and two what we're trying to do is say, what are the behaviors, the foundational behaviors that allow me, that I integrate into my life so it's, I can focus my creative energy where I want to. I don't have to be an expert in every aspect of food, gastronomy, you know, light, painting, oils, technology, like I just need to be competent, but we completely disenfranchised a generation of people, right? We're like, you know, take this spend fen, do this crash diet, don't eat carbs. Like people are like, oh, I don't understand. I don't feel good. What's happening, right? 
the research was that two years ago we were sleeping 6.4 hours a night as a as a culture last year 6.2 hours so what i want people to appreciate right now again what can i control because if i can shift low side of control and agency back to you well suddenly that's a way of feeling safe again right and what's powerful about that this notion of kind of shifting low side of control is that i may be able to control my sleep right now and when i go back to my real world i may not be able to yeah. so right now let's let's control sleep and i want you to think if i get 7 hours of sleep i'm barely surviving that is our minimum threshold for survival if i'm stressed or working out or growing or recovering 8 hours is your minimum and what i want you to think is i'm a bad person i didn't get 8 hours of sleep no do the best you can but if until someone says, hey, we can control it right now, I can sit on the ground, it doesn't cost me anything, I can be more conscious of my breathing, I can start to control my sleep. And now what you're gonna see is we have a system that's much more robust and can handle more stress. We can be more useful when this when the we open the gates again, we can hit the ground running. So let's apply this breathing now to a simple practice that we've adopted from Wim Hof and XPT, Laird Hamilton's practice. I work with them. And I wanna show you that this is what I call the 10 minute morning spin up. So if I take a big long inhale and a quick exhale, that's how I get ready to go fight, right? And if you saw Midsummer, did you see that movie? No, you're killing me. You make me feel like I've been living under a rock. What's Midsummer? So Midsummer is this Swedish gothic murder cult movie. It's so good. Ari Aster came out last year, but you're gonna see before any of the main characters do anything serious, they go and they like get themselves fired up with a breath. Okay. But let's appreciate what this is. Big breath in, short breath out, wake up. Breath in, long breath out, how I chill. So we now have a way of turning myself up to get ready based on breathing and turning myself down to get ready to sleep or chill out, which means because I've suddenly put this awareness into can I take a full breath, I can then modulate that to get ready to exercise or get ready for the day or reclaim readiness or as I'm going to show you how we can flip that same thing to deal with musculoskeletal pain or common pain-related problems. So let me take you through what we think we call our morning spin-up. And okay. if you're, I have a blog on this, which I'll send to you. We, I call it my morning practice, and it's on the Ready State blog. I'll, I'll send you the link, but it shows you a little hip opener flow, ground-based flow that I do in the morning to get my hips ready for the rest of the day. And in there is my 10-minute breathing practice I do in the morning. So I have never been a good meditator. It just doesn't work for me. But this breathing practice, I do every day. I may work it into some of my biking or my aerobic work or my prep, but this breathing practice is that has become, and look, dude, I'm 233 pounds. I'm 6'2". I did the 600. I have a breathing practice. Thank you very much. Right? Nice. So but my point is I want to show you how we use this to get ready. And this same technique right now I'm gonna show you is our first prescription for low back pain. So if you're suffering from low back pain or know someone who suffers from low back pain, 
I want a bottom line of 10 different things. I want to do one thing and have 17 results. That's my goal, right? Because I have two children, I have two businesses, I have a wife, I theoretically have friends. Like my goal is not to go through the life like a robot. I want to do something and get a lot of bang for the buck for it, right? So do this for me. Go ahead and lay on your back. I'll talk you through it. And I'll, so you do you do the, the back laying. I'll talk you through this. So you already know the technique, and that is our max breath. So you've already got the skills to be able to do this. We already practiced this, okay? Okay. So the first thing we're going to do, My legs someone has, it doesn't matter. Straight. Whatever, whatever feels better for you. So if you're, if it feels better on your back to have your knees bent, great. If it feels better to have your legs straight, it doesn't matter. But what I want you to do here is I want you to take the biggest breath in you can, like you just did. And I'm just, but I want you to do it with intention. Now we're going to be powerful. So now we're not timid. I want you to get there in like three seconds. Go. Let it go. Good. And what we're not going to do is we're not going to hold our breath at the top. And we're not going to hold our breath at the bottom. So we're going to go right back into the next breath. So it's big breath in. Right again. But I want you to be disciplined about actually getting in the most air you can. Don't be in a hurry to get the next rep. Right? That's our old model. This is quality. So what I want you to do is to beat your record on the next breath. Bring your awareness. What part isn't moving? Can I put my hand there? How do I get more air in? What part feels stiff? Can I bring some attention there? Expanding 360, okay? So here's, okay. here's what we're going to do. Now you have the technique. We're going to do two minutes of that. So everyone who's joining us, if you're sitting in a chair, you can do this. You don't have to lay on the ground. You can do this in any position. It just turns out that sitting in a, in a laying on the ground gives you the most access to your breath power. And sitting is, I got a little bit more compromised, but it'll still work, okay? We're gonna go max breathing for two minutes. And at the end of two minutes, we're gonna do an exhale and we're gonna hold our breath as long as we can on the exhale. So you're gonna breathe all the way out. And then you're gonna chill and not breathe again, okay? Oh my God. Let uh, me warn you. Am I gonna pass out? Well, you're already laying on the ground, so it's not bad. You won't pass out. But if you did, you're safe. And okay. also, let's talk about that for a second because people are suddenly like, whoa, this is extreme. I'm like, you're saying breathing deeply is extreme? <laughs> are you saying that you think you're gonna get injured breathing? Is that what you're telling me right now? I don't think so, I don't, I don't buy it. So this is the safest thing we can possibly do. And notice that if I have pain in my back, Look what I'm doing. I'm expanding my diaphragm. I'm circulating lymph, right? I'm changing how my, every time I breathe in, my lumbar extends. Every time I breathe out, my lumbar flexes. So I'm putting a ton of movement and range of motion into my lumbar spine. And I haven't had to do a mobilization and exercise. The first thing we do when someone has back pain is we say, well, let's make sure you can breathe and let's make sure you can move effectively in those positions. So let's, that's Who's why there? this is the Who's best. Who's joining our broadcast? Oh, this, this is King. He's our home panther. He's, yeah. a, he's, a, he's a used vintage cat and he only shows up for the big <laughs> broadcast. I swear, like 60 minutes, he's like, hey, what's up? Creative Live, he knows what's up. I don't know what it is about, about King, but uh, again, our used cat knows what's up. <laughs> All right. So, so on your back, we're gonna do, I want everyone to do this. 
And what I want you to pay attention to is are you able to maintain the breath volume for two minutes? Because what you're going to see is that you're fatiguing out and you fatigue out because you suck, because you're weak, because you're stiff, because you're not skilled. And those are very trainable things, right? Yeah. So here we go. I'm going to pull the clock. And all I want you to do is just do your best breathing that's available to you right now. If you're stuffed up because allergies, breathe through your mouth. But put the tongue to the roof of your mouth and like kind of hiss through your mouth if you need to. That'll help you get more air in, a little resistance. All right, here we go. Big breath in. Go. Belly, ribs, chest. Fill it up, fill it up, fill it up, fill it up. Perfect. Keep doing that. Expand 360. Put your hands on your ribs right into my next breath. If you get crampy in your mid back, that's because that mid back hasn't moved in a decade. Fill your ribs, fill your belly. We're measuring VO2 max for a lot of people on carburetors that have been shut down and little tubes. So let's see if we can improve this ventilation. Good, you're coming up on one minute. Keep going. You got the nose, do it. Breathe into that low back. Look at how much motion is happening in your trunk. Your chest is expanding, your belly is expanding, your ribs are expanding. And then that quick breath gets me to be springy, restores that springiness. The Chinese say you're as old as your spine. So if your spine is stiff and not flexible and dynamic, that's going to be a problem for us. 30 more seconds. But this is the easiest way we know to change that position, change that behavior. 20 more seconds. Chase that big breath. You have two minutes of practice. You should be breathing better and deeper and more powerful because of all the practice you're doing. Fill it up. All right, we're going to go big breath in. Blow it all the way out. Long, slow inhale. Blow it all the way out. Let's go. Big breath in. And exhale and do not breathe again. Last breath and go. So now just sit here without breathing. And watch yourself. And what we're doing here is we're, we have hypersaturated all of the tissues with oxygen. There's, your oxygen tank is topped off. But the trigger to breathe is actually CO2. So your body and brain does not need oxygen right now. But what's happening is your CO2 levels are screaming at you to breathe. Well, it turns out that when our brains become CO2 intolerant, when you need to breathe, just come back. When we become, have the drive to breathe all the time, that is one of the triggers for feeling stressed. We mouth breathe, we breathe up on our chest. And what we're trying to do is make our bodies more comfortable with higher CO2 levels. This is one of the ways we can be less freaked out. All right, that was a minute, great job, come on up. Whoa, you just held your breath on an exhale for a minute. Wow. <laughs> there is some euphoria. I cannot believe how much movement. And you, when you were saying, now if your back is cramping, my back was in peak, mid-back, <laughs> mid just like a lockup. 
So what's great now is that you have the most powerful meditation breathing practice known. It's a mechanical ventilation practice. And where I want you to practice taking the biggest breath in you can, let it go. A simple template is this. Do that for two minutes and hold your breath as long as you can. As soon as you need to breathe, two minutes of breathing, then hold your breath as long as you can. And repeat that cycle for 10 minutes. First thing in the morning, go pee, have a coffee, lay back down, get it done before your kids get up, right? And what you're going to find is that that will prime you, get your diaphragm primed, turn everything on, get your brain ready to go. And then when it's time to go work out later or do a yoga practice or something, you've already touched the corners. You're already spun up and ready to go. If you have back pain or you're really stressed, lay down. Do that in the middle of the day. Don't do that before you go to bed because it will wake you up and fire you up. I, I totally I, like buzzed right now. That's right. That's right. The yogis were getting they were getting super high. Yeah. So what's what's amazing is that when you get more comfortable with high CO, higher CO2 tolerances, so that I can my brain recognizes that CO2 level is okay then what ends up happening is I end up stripping off more oxygen off of the hemoglobin. So for me, when we started doing this, we saw changes in our hematocrit, which is how much oxygen our blood can carry. And what ends up happening here is that your brain starts to turn on the signals to have more blood, red blood cells, to get better at carrying oxygen. And what we see is that when people begin this practice, they suddenly find a fifth gear, a sixth gear, and a seventh gear because they're actually able to use the oxygen in their bloodstream because the CO2 is high. But in times of peak stress, when I have that high CO2 level, my brain thinks that that's a stressed state. And most of us are in that stressed state all the time. So one of the ways we can change pain and change my stress is to get my brain more comfortable with those higher CO2 levels. But also, I can help my back feel better. Also, I can improve my aerobic function. Also, I have a meditation practice. And also, I'm practicing breathing, which is welcome to being a human being, right? So I get 17 things. You don't have to believe in any of this. Try this for a week because you're locked at home and I guarantee you it's going to change your life. When I'm a stressed animal, sleep deprived, I've been on a red eye from the East Coast, I hold my breath for 45 seconds. That's how long it, I, I pop in 45 seconds. Wow. When I'm rested, feel loved and appreciated by my amazing CEO, CEO wife, I hold my breath for two to three minutes. So I use it as like, wow, how trashed yeah. am I as a human being right now? So now I have another diagnostic tool. Can I breathe in this position? Well, I can't even hold my breath in this position. So it's a nice metric and practice and if you want to go in, all of those breathing resources we mentioned earlier, if you just type in breathing, there's so much in there right now. But we've forgotten about the mechanics. We're all interested in the, the physiology. Okay, bear with me now. I'll, I'll, I'll put a bow on this thing for us. This is insane. There's a lot going on. I'm like, I hope the Creative Lab team is – I know we take crazy notes. So <laughs> just a team who's watching right now, like I, I want all the notes just so you know. Now, do this for me. Grab a roller or grab a kettlebell for me. If I can have, I got both. What, what do you prefer? That doesn't matter. Okay. Whatever feels right. All right. It feels good for you. 
I hate all this stuff. I never roll. I'm bad at it. So I'm about yeah. to experience pain. Well, how about this? Let's make sure that we're, we're doing rolling better. Let's make this because no one likes this because it's painful and it doesn't yep. feel like it's getting me. You know what I mean? It doesn't feel like a good use of my time. So now if you lay on – this is, could be a, a wine bottle. This can be a, a kid's basketball. Whatever you got, use, right? Smoke them if you got them. So what I want you to do is I want you to roll side to side until you feel um, – just doesn't uh, matter. Put it somewhere in the middle of the calf. Where is that? So go right in the middle – just go right in the middle of the foot, just like the calf, the leg. Okay. So then I want you to roll side to side until you find something that feels ugly and not pretty. Oh, it's already there, bro. What's up, soccer player? Okay. So now if you need more load – Put one leg on top of the other leg. And I want you to go from one side and I just want you to swoop to the other side. You find something? Okay, stop. Uh, now look what happens. Not breathing. No, definitely not breathing. <laughs> so the first thing you did was introduce a pain and you're like, freeze. Talking make pain, right? So let's tie in our breathing now back into the whole system. So if I can't breathe in a position, I don't own a position. So can I take a full breath as I'm working? And what's nice now as our soft tissue basics is that if you are working on something and you're worried about hurting yourself, the secret mechanism of protection here is if I can take a full breath in this position, I'm working appropriately. If I cannot take a full breath in a, while I'm working on some part of my body, I'm going too deep. So if someone says, I want to give you a massage, and they crank into your neck and it's so painful you can't breathe, you're not actually making it better. You're creating another problem for yourself, right? You're telling yourself, guard this position. It's so painful we've disrupted your breathing. And if I'm trying to chill out at night – I want to tell my brain there's no threat here. And if you've ever had a massage, you don't get up off the massage table and say, let's fight. Let's run. Let's sprint. Right. You're like, I'm all blissed out. Right. <laughs> so one of the ways we can control the brain is through the nerves. Nerves are king of the breath. The breath is king of the brain. So now we start to integrate these things. So if I find a painful spot, Rolling on a ball, on a roller, on a rolling pin, on a bottle of wine, whatever it is. I stop. Now watch the breathing. I take a four-second inhale. I contract into the roller for four seconds. Three, two, one. Eight-second exhale. Remember I said long exhale is how I chill out? Yeah. So we made it simple. Four-second inhale, four-second hold, eight-second exhale. And this is now pain point, right? Like pain point. Like experiencing right now. <laughs> My poor calves. What's going on? I'm soft. Well, how about this? Oh. Haven't, haven't done anything here for a minute, right? And what we see is people do this, and they're like, yep, I'm done. And they didn't get any benefit from it, so they don't do it again. So yeah. one of the things that we're doing is that we can do this before we go to, to the bedroom. So Juliet and I say, hey, let's do this in the evening 
because it helps prepare me to sleep better. And when I do this soft tissue work for 10 minutes, plus add in this breathing, which I've been working on through the narrative of I'm doing my spin up in the morning, I'm paying attention to my positions during the day, can I take a full breath, here's a check, and then I suddenly weave this into the evening, it's not an accident, you're gonna become a much more skilled breather, and more importantly now, you have a breathing tool that spins you up, that helps you identify better positions, and helps you calm down and be able to work on pain areas. So if you didn't know anything about the body, your calves hurt, well, let's spend five minutes on the left leg, five minutes on the right leg. Only wish that there was a whole site digitally enhanced so that you could follow along and someone would teach you this for the last 10 years. That's the ready state. But you don't even need that because you already now possess all the tools to be able to make yourself feel massively better. 10 minutes of rolling side to side, looking for pain spots. When I feel a pain spot, four second inhale, four second contract, eight second exhale. When the glass of wine is done, when you finish your scotch, you're done. And we'll get the rest of it tomorrow. And that easy, and this is such a simple way of adding in a couple net behaviors that when we go back out into the world, we can hold on to and be sort of more efficient at handling the stresses, handling the loads and being prepared to live 110 years old. This has been absolutely insane, man, because, uh, again, you've always been ahead of the curve, doing things differently than everybody else that I'm uh, following or paying attention to or aware of in pop culture. Um, I think everyone's trying to jam everybody else's workouts down their throat right now. Of course, movement and having a relationship with a trainer, either via YouTube, via the Ready State, via you know your local gym. Um, I want to give a shout out to Beth who trained me earlier today. Thank you so much, Beth. Appreciate you. Um, I think she's watching, so that's one of the reasons I'm a little soft right now because I already had my hour workout in. But just the, the way that you're orienting us right now around breathing as um, as arguably the most essential thing is you talked about the connection between the body, the mind, our nervous system, our neurology, max breath as a mechanism for uh, diagnostic, I think is the word that you used. Um, these simple tools, we don't, we didn't use anything, right? I just used the ground. I mean, our relationship with the ground, like that's completely innovative. The fact that we're going to live to be a hundred and that functional, like functional health is more important than tan and jacked. Um, Man, I can't I can't thank you enough. You, there's one thing you mentioned earlier, and prior to us going live, we wanted to talk about sleep. I'm wondering if you can give us, you know, 120 seconds about sleep. What we say is, oftentimes we can't control sleep length, so we have always focused on sleep quality. And part of what we think is the way to do that is to set a routine. One of my friends. His name is Kirk Parsley. It's docparsley.com, like the plant. He's a Navy, former Navy SEAL doctor. And we're seeing that uh, all of his, all of his warfighters weren't sleeping and they couldn't, people couldn't figure out what was going on and why they were so messed up. So he says, set an alarm an hour before you go to bed. And that's your reminder. So 
to, just like an alarm to wake up, it's your reminder to start to shut it down. Hey, I need to do my soft tissue work. I maybe need to take a warm bath. Maybe I make the room a little dimmer. And I start to think about preparing so that the brain, because what we should be doing is going to bed and waking up every single time at the same time. Even right now with our kids at home, we're really trying to help them stay on a consistent bedtime and a consistent wake time so that their sleep doesn't become disrupted and they end up shifting their sleep cycle. And it's really hard to change that again, right? Because there's sort of no reason. I mean, some of us are working and some of us can't work right now and we can work 24 hours a day. But if you did this soft tissue work in that hour before you went to bed, it were going to help you fall asleep faster, stay asleep faster, stay asleep longer. And what I want you to appreciate is that even if you just got into bed a half hour earlier, in two weeks, you've slept an entire extra day, right? That's pretty powerful. Yeah, that's crazy. So it's these little behavior changes. And, and I, I think when we first met, I would be like, you need to deadlift a five extra body weight and you'd be able to do a handstand. And ah, right now I'm like, dude, you should walk more. You should sleep, right? I've just become much more reasonable as I've gotten older, but what I realized was that we, if we're looking at the, this body as a system, this environmental piece is just as important as how well my stiff my muscles are, or how stiff my joints are, or how well I move. And we can always try to improve and play a better game on our environmental load. Because if people come to me and they're like, I want a PR, I want to lift more, I want to be out of pain, by the way, the number one thing that we do when someone has a chronic pain condition is we control their sleep again, right? We get them on a sleep habit and a sleep schedule. So if you have chronic low back pain, I'm talking to you, right? Someone in your family has chronic or persistent pain. It turns out we focus on the basics. And what we want people to ultimately recognize is that these are the same basics you've been doing for 10 years. I roll. I know how to breathe. I know how to do put out fires when something pops up. I know how to change my position, right? It's the same thing. And when we finally arrive where I try to tell this to someone and they've heard it before, I will retire. Right? That's how I feel. You know what I mean? But in the meantime, it hasn't happened yet. Man, thank you so much. Let's do a quick recap on uh, where a good place is for people to pay close attention to what it is you do. Um, you're such an incredible uh, communicator about these these issues um, and these opportunities that we all have, not just in life, but especially here in this special time um, with quarantine, where there's a lot of uh, opportunity maybe to pay a little bit more attention. So I know the ready state is where one of the places where you want to send people, but I'll let you walk us walk walk through it for yeah. us. If you want to see how this scales up into human performance, I do a lot of teaching on Instagram so and YouTube. So you can see how we're talking about scaling these concepts up and scaling them down, how we train injured athletes, how we think about you know, yoga. And you can see what that looks like in expression, these little doses. We've tried to do in this emergency, in the predicament, we've tried to do some programming for people at home. Like uh, yesterday, we put up a way for those of uh, those first responders to take care of their feet when they've been on their feet all day long. So again, we're trying to see this as this is what we've learned in the highest levels of sports and performance. Let's take those lessons and actually apply them to the people that matter, which is us so that sports and performance isn't just circus entertainment. It's our laboratory. 
so we can scale backwards, right? That is the goal. How do I integrate this? How does it matter to my mother-in-law? Not necessarily how do I win another world championship, although both of those things are important to me. So um, you can see how we teach there. Um, I might suggest that we did an incredible course on Creative Live about soft tissue basics and sure. taking care of yourself. And it's really simple and it's a really great primer for understanding the base. And that living document I'm very proud of. And even seven years later, there's nothing in there that I would change. We've integrated our practice. We're a little bit more effective. We're more efficient because we've been doing this for seven years. You're not using the same camera you used seven years ago, oh. right? Right. So, but, yeah. but that's that's what I love about your course is that it's so it's like time and time again. And one of the ones that I recommend because it's so uh, foundational and uh, you've done it like that's part to me. Like if something is complex, I go to the person who can make it the most simple for me. And to me, that's a, not just a sign of intelligence and good looks and and being a dashing international superhero, but it's just an amazing um it's an amazing quality to be able to do that. So I, I rush to you, and let's not be, um, let's not hide here. Like every once in a while, I will like get injured, and you're the first person I'll text. I'm like, guy, I messed up. Like, <laughs> help. And and um, your ability to take a complex system like pain management and recovery and all those things, and and prescribe something very very simple to um, get my ass back is like is un unparalleled. So I want to say thank you. Um, You're so welcome. And let me just finish by just saying we now are traditional systems that we leaned on have been disrupted. And one of my, there's a company we love and they make this sticker that says no one is coming. It's up to us. And right now I think we have a really powerful opportunity to reimagine some of the things we took for granted and to think about our society. And what I want people to appreciate is that you, your pain and your well-being is up to you and very much in your control. And it's amazing when we shift that responsibility and just hand it back to you and say, you can't mess this up. We trust you. You know, we see that people are solving complex problems. And then when they really need help, they go get some specialized help. Like if I, if I need some technical thing, I go to the best. But the rest of the time, I'm, I'm monkeying around. And what we're really believing is that people are far smarter. They've just never been given the tools to take care of their bodies. Or no one ever said they were. it was important. And this is our moment to re-empower us at home and to take care of our families. And musculoskeletal health and pain, that's on mine. That's on my watch. Mm. So articulate, so clean, so crisp, so fresh. <laughs> thank you so much man and so the ready state uh what instagram handle are you operating under these days we're at the ready state still super simple and hey. then if you were going to look at a book right now um you know in this time just to think about your imagination we wrote a book about sort of uh work culture called desk bound that yeah. might you know yeah. that summarizes a lot of these ideas it's very simple it's not heavy movement it's heavily application towards this. And that might be a really simple entree in, but more importantly, become curious. There's so many good resources for us right now and start tinkering. It just takes these little bit of doses in the day. You don't have to become a level five American Ninja Warrior. I mean, that's fun, but not required in these days. 
So grateful to have you on, man. Thank you so much. Uh, for those at home that are paying attention, I hope this uh, segment on creativelive.com slash TV has been helpful. We got to go into Kelly Sturette's front room there, him and his panther, um, his wife, Juliet. Please say hi to your CEO wife, uh, your kids. I hope you're well. I'm going to go get into the uh, – I've been exercising here in my garage in Seattle. We're 39 degrees. I'm going to go get my ass in my uh, – Hot tub. <laughs> uh, thanks so much for, for uh, helping us understand a little bit more about breath and about taking care of ourselves. And uh, again, if, if you're watching uh, and any of this is at all intriguing, you need to subscribe and pay attention to everything that uh, that Kelly and Juliet are doing. It's remarkable. They've been 10 years ahead of everybody for 10 years. So thanks so much for being on the show, but I appreciate you. Uh, it's always a pleasure. And uh, this is this crowd is so smart and bright. I'm like, if we can't do it, no one can do it. I'm telling you, we got this. We got it. All right, man. Thank you so much, bud. Hey, that was an awesome episode. But before you bounce, just I got three quick thoughts. First, thank you for being in this community. It gives me so much juice. I can't even tell you. So much juice that when I hit publish and this show goes out into the ether, that there's an amazing community of like-minded people just like you consuming and sharing the show so thank you second it would be huge it would mean the world to me if you left a review at apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you listen now we're regularly featured at the top slot there on apple's podcast page and others and spotify etc and that's because of your reviews so if you've ever wanted to uh, lend a hand or you got some value from me in the past and you want to pay it forward that would be amazing and then lastly it would also mean the world to me if you shared the content that you get here, whether it's a screenshot or a photo of where you're listening, anything via Instagram stories um, or any other social feeds tagging me and the guests. Now, I repost this content and your comments all the time, so I would love to share your shout outs in my feed too. Um, not only do these shout outs, uh, are, are they good for you and me, but they also help us book amazing guests because they see the reach that you cultivate. This is a way for you to help contribute to the show. So again, I want to say thanks. I'm just at Chase Jarvis. You can use at Creative Live as well. And the guests are easy to track down because they are, well, they're usually quite well-known people. Um, but again, thank you so much for listening. I'm looking forward to being in your ears again, hopefully tomorrow.